everybody to uh, the podcast HR Evolution. Uh, we're discussing today the revolution of HR for the evolution of business. And we do that through conversations with industry experts like Caroline today, um, discussing how HR can become a better business partner within their organization today to really progress, uh, uh, continue or propel HR forward. As well as business today, we know there's new challenges that require the feelers to really get more involved in the day-to-day -day operations as well as the well-being of our employees to strengthen that employee value proposition. So we do that through conversations. This is a passion project of mine and my co-host, Chris Derone. Excellent. Thanks, Kevin. And again, once again, we are here to bring the information out to all of you in our audience who's watching this podcast, you know, really want to know what's going on today in the state of HR, and then really where do we need to set ourselves up for that future of HR, and more importantly, the future of work. So with us today is Caroline Shine. She's the Vice President of People and Culture at Article, which was just named one of Canada's top growing companies for the third straight year in a row. So that's fantastic. Um, Caroline uh, also has leadership, HR leadership experience in the financial, retail, and hospitality industries. Caroline, it is our pleasure to have you with us today. Welcome to HR Evolution. Thank you very much, and uh, I'm happy to be here and happy to be part of the conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll get started, Caroline, since you are across the border, our, our neighbor to the north. I have to ask, what do you have for breakfast in the morning? <laughs> is it Canadian bacon or? <laughs> no, this is embarrassing. Red Bull. <laughs> Red Bull. That's how, that's how so, the world winners in HR get their morning started. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to get her, get going quickly. <laughs> well, you are out on the West Coast, so it's, it's a three-hour three time difference for us here, so. Yeah. Excellent. So um, a lot of a lot of people in HR or a lot of people that <clears throat> think they know HR do not believe that HR have lives outside of work. Some might believe that, Caroline, you might have a cot in your office and you never leave. Uh, what do you do for fun? Wow. What do I do for fun? Well, I live in North Vancouver, which uh, right by the mountains. So for fun, I love to get out and hike, which I try to do several times a week or bike just walking around, getting outside. And we live in the Pacific Northwest, which is a rainforest, which means it rains a lot. So you just got to get used to uh, walking in the rain <laughs> or hiking. Excellent. Um, I'm going to dive right into it, if you don't mind, Caroline. And one of the things that we're seeing and we're witnessing and experiencing here in the States is, you know, kind of that return to the office, right? So we we went about 18 months where, you know, everybody was fully remote. Now we're starting to bring our our workers back in the office. And what we're seeing is there's a hybrid environment of sorts. We have some people who are still fully remote, you know, mm -hmm. because that's what we want to do. We want to make sure we're accommodating some people who are full-time in the office because quite frankly, they couldn't wait to get back into the office. And then we have some people doing a mixture of the two. Where are you? Just so that, you know, our listeners know, um, you know, we can kind of compare those two. Where, where exactly is British Columbia at this point in time? From a work environment standpoint uh for bc i mean where we're living and working uh many people are kind of uh in this in-between state still trying to figure out what to do mm -hmm. um rules are lightened up so people can come into the office um i'll speak on behalf of what we're doing here at article we made a decision back in the summertime to kind of get ahead of it and really kind of describe what is the future of work? What does it look like for Article? Um, and kind of what are the conditions in which we want to 
you know, operate, recognizing that we knew where we were in the past, which was, uh, which is surprising for a tech company that we actually didn't have a remote work policy. Um, it was kind of this assumption that, you know, it was assumed that we didn't have one, therefore we didn't do it. And maybe the founders didn't agree with it. So therefore everyone just came to the office yeah. and it was kind of a hush hush if someone worked from home, which is kind of funny now and in reflection now it is fully up to individuals and teams. So we put the conditions in, look, I'm not going to mandate how you you or your team should be working, you know best. Yeah. So, you know, as long as the work's getting done and, um, you know, people are, you know, have every, all the tools and resources they need to be successful at it, why not allow, allow them to continue to do what they've been doing to your point the last 18 months, right? Yeah. So we are getting ready to open our office though. So we um, took upon ourselves to take a look at our design and knowing that uh, through a number of surveys, why people want to come back to work is to socialize, to connect, to, to, you know, get out of their home or, you know, their working space at home and getting that opportunity. So we figured, well, we should add more meeting rooms because that, that seemed like a given more collaborative spaces and also a great opportunity to improve the technology. But when you think about it, you know, in the past, pre-COVID, you have, yeah, the odd time you have someone, you know, um, in a, on a video call, but they were often ignored. You know, everyone's talking in the room and whoever's on the screen just kind of, you know, catch up. Hopefully you can you know, follow along what's going on, but no one's really including them. This is just a really great opportunity for us to think about now in this new hybrid world. What do we need to do from a technology perspective? Yeah. What do we need to do to ensure that the people on the screen are feeling part of the conversation in the room? So we're actually going through and changing out all our technology now so that everyone has a box, they feel included. And we're actually changing our desk space too, so that you can see people around the room. And yeah. so giving consideration to that, I think is really, really important. Plus even teaching managers how to lead in a hybrid world, <laughs> right? So you can't ignore the person behind you on the screen. Exactly. You know, the exactly. spirit of being inclusive, how do you lead in a way where you have, now we have some of our leaders have people all over the world because mm -hmm. it also, the cool part is it opened up the job market too, exactly. right? So remote is here to stay for sure. I'm glad you this talked about the job market opening up because I think it's forcing employers to really look inward um, to change uh, some of the things that they've been doing for years. Um, and I saw that some businesses started to try to put the cart before the horse. Um, and I say that is that they tried to talk about being a diverse, equitable and inclusive culture. Um, on the exterior of the business. And then when people bought that and came interior to the business, they realized that that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, you, you being in B, the British Columbia and having offices and probably employees here in the United States, we're, we talk about uh, almost the personality difference between the cultures between the United States and Canada. How do you properly, I guess, handle those types of challenges where you are dealing with two totally different demographics and trying to formulate your policies and procedures that um, are, are more enabling, I guess, uh, both cross-border? Mm -hmm. And I would extend that too, Kevin. It's not just... Canada, US, but we have Mexico, we have Asia, we have Europe. So the consideration is far greater than that. I would say one thing that unifies us, and um, I'm gonna speak a little bit about our culture. We have in January, 2020, so just before COVID hit, we launched, uh, we uh, introduced something called the Article Way. And the Article Way is our guiding principles and our essentially our values and kind of who we are and who we're not. And it really articulates well uh, defines our our culture and it's not um, I love the work that we did here because when we released it it wasn't like what is this 
that's not us. Like there's no disconnect. It was completely easily adopted. We did a lot of work to, you know, onboard people to understand it. Um, everywhere from, you know, um, road shows to, you know, doing surveys against it. As you read it, is this making sense? Where are the gaps? A lot of intentional work here. And I think that piece alone is the thread that weaves us and unites us as a company, as particles. And we call our people at Article particles. So it, it regardless of the country you're in, regardless of the area of business you're in, but it really is an important thread that ties us all together. And it sounds like you are in tune with what your people want and, and, and uh, almost flexible where you can adjust and get change um, to accommodate those, those wants or desires of the employee population based off of your flexible work schedule that you had mentioned. When you're doing surveys today, what types of questions are you asking to, I guess, get a temperature check or, or to ensure that why are our people staying or choosing to work for our organization instead of anyone else? Mm -hmm. So we have um, three surveys we run, three main ones. So two of them are our engagement survey. And so that's, that's our uh, big one we do in January and we do it again in July. And we ask questions around, you know, you know fit, belonging, you know, the ability to learn and grow and to make a difference. So that the questions around, you know, um, do they have, are they aligned to our values? So that's another thing I think is really important is a lot of questions around their connection to our guiding principles and to the degree that they um, feel a connection to it. But also the hard questions around, are we living it? Mm -hmm. Is, you know, are we living it outside of just themselves too? So we want to get a sense of not just that their personal alignment to it, but how are they seeing the organization? And then questions around psychological safety and questions along belonging and Questions around, I mean, point blank, you know, would they recommend a simple question, you know, the, the motor score, but we call it the uh, particle net promoter score. Um, and that's something that we ask several times a year just to get a gauge. And, and fortunately, um, it's very high, which is fantastic. But I think those are really important questions. And then the inclusion and diversity um, survey also comes out once a year. And that digs in a little bit deeper. And we start to get more granular because the top line can look really positive. So mm -hmm. you can have a really positive promoter score and you know, ours is um, uh, quite high. And so when we look at it from that lens, but what's below that? So mm -hmm. is it really telling the whole story? And so mm -hmm. this is where you get into that question, Kevin, around US, Canada, get into Asia, get into our particles around the world. Are they seeing it the same? What's their sentiment? So you need to go a little bit deeper and also looking at it by gender, you know, by um, people of color, by the LGBTQ plus community, there's so much opportunity to just cut and slice the data. Mm -hmm. So I guess the the risk is don't look at the high because you can you know high five and give yourself sure. a lot of praise about that. But when you yeah. go deeper, there's always opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that that really shows through when you start looking at retention. And you know, here in the states, we've been talking about the Great Resignation for a while now, and people are are jumping jumping ship and moving on just because. Um, Quite frankly, the employees have redefined what that work experience is because they've been given the opportunity to, as you said, more remote opportunities opens up the uh, the candidate pool, and now you're dealing with a wider spread. Um, so you've you've given us a lot to unpack, Caroline. So far, uh, I'm going to actually go back, go back and forth a couple of times. But um, one of the things that I'm really interested in is is leadership, you know, and leadership development, and how do we look at developing you know, the next generation of leaders. And you kind of talked a little bit about it, you know, we're in this new hybrid environment and, you know, that really 
calls upon leaders to demonstrate very different characteristics. They're very different traits, you know, skill sets. What would you say is the most important characteristic or skill set for leaders to now demonstrate, given that we've got this, yeah. you know, hybrid, hybrid environment? I would say, and it's interesting because we, we don't have a fully developed leadership development program, so I want to full disclosure on that, but we're doing the uh, big foundational work around looking at leadership capabilities mm -hmm. from the article way perspective. You know, so and also, what does it look like to be a leader at Article, and then the role itself? Um, but I'd say one of the the most important right now is empathy, and really um, taking the time to understand employees and where they're at and what they're going through. And you know, what I've it's interesting because I think as much as I like to think I'm a caring individual, pre-COVID, you kind of still had those hard lines, like this is work and this is home, and you don't kind of you know, blur the lines. And I've loved the fact that, you know, we're seeing like, this is my home office. I yeah. got the kids behind me. I got my Peloton. I, I mean, <laughs> sometimes my kid walks in <laughs> for yes. money while I'm on a call. I've actually was in a presentation. My kids asked me for money and I'm like, no. <laughs> right. And, and you get to see like our, our founder and CEO, like there's many times his kids crawling on them. <laughs> it's yeah. so, it humanizes us. Right. And yeah. it's just been yeah. such a wonderful gift. Right, so I think there's just huge opportunity there, um, but empathy and understanding and really um, taking the time to to get to know people differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as much as I hate to say a pandemic offered us a silver lining, because I think that would be kind of uh, feels kind yeah. of not right, but there is. I think if we look close enough, there is gifts in this. Yeah. And I think you're. I think you're right because it's that shared experience as well. We all went through it, so we can all relate to it. Versus pre-pandemic. <laughs> Not everybody was, you know, able to relate to every single personal experience that people were going through. We now have that commonality. And it's funny you mentioned that, you know, I, I can't count how many, you know, dogs or cats that you've seen now on people's <laughs> during work meetings. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely changed the the work meeting and the, and the work environment a little bit. But can you imagine now, though, because we all were in the same boat, right? Yeah. So we were all in the office. And then we're all on Zoom or whatever platform. And yeah. now we're coming into this hybrid. So there's the big challenge now. And so back to my earlier comment, really thinking about the technology you're using. How are you leading in this space? And how are you ensuring? Because I think the bigger risk now is going to be, how are you ensuring that people feel included? Yeah. And, and inclusion, 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 sorry, is something that um, I know we've talked a lot about, but I think the rubber is really going to hit the road and we really need to figure out what truly that means in this new new way of working. I couldn't agree more. And I loved your point because I was one of those people that tried, fought very hard to keep my personal life and my professional life very independent and separated. And then we were forced to cross. And, 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 and now we're kind of seeing where people are taking a step back and re- evaluating where they are in their career is it something they can do for the next 20 years or is it an opportunity to adjust and, and themselves make that change and we hear the the conversation about finding your purpose or your whatever your passions are and it, i think it awarded us the opportunity to just take a time out and and take a break and take a breath instead of being in the thrills of of the daily life mm -hmm. one of the things that you were talking about or, or about to to get into is a lot of questions on HR professionals' minds is because they're being tapped on by their CEO is how do we attract talent? How come we can't find it? And how do we grow and develop the talent that we do have to meet the needs that we need, not only today, but also for tomorrow? 
what types of things are you evaluating from an engagement perspective? Um, are you changing your onboarding policies and procedures to more align with this digital age um, to get people quickly up to speed and feeling a part of that company mission? What types of changes are you making to uh, improve the overall engagement of employees that we know has stayed consistent at 30% for the last 15 years? Mm -hmm. So just ironically, just before COVID, because we do have um, a dispersed workforce, we had um, upped our game when it came to onboarding. So it was really good timing. And awesome. I guess the proof was, you know, prior to people joining um, article, we, we spent a lot of time kind of educating them on our culture, who we are. We shared the article way, even though they're not part of the company yet. And um, we afterwards, one of the things I love to do is ask them afterwards, okay, so what we said before you joined us and where you are now, are we aligned? Is it aligned? Is it making sense? Did we basically, did we sell you a bill that felt good? Like, is it real? And it's interesting because every single time I, I keep hearing, I, I haven't heard this yet where it hasn't happened, where they're saying it's even better than I thought you really are living it. And so I think the and we, because we spent so much work focused on how do we ensure that they do have that set, they fit, belong, have a, you know, they have a sense of they, they can do well here that we spend a lot of time on how do we set them up for success. So is it perfect? No, but we also ask a lot of questions. So we take the time to put those feedback loops in. What else could we be doing? We've been doing that um, since I joined, essentially. And so really wanting to make sure that you know, we understand kind of what's working, what's not, what could we have done differently? What could we have done better? We have a really open culture when it comes to feedback. And, you know, one of our spirits, we have guiding principles, as I mentioned, but one of our spirits is relentlessly pursue remarkably better. And so that's in our DNA, if you will. And so the, the intentionality of really wanting to continuously improve has always been there. So with that constant feedback, we've been able to keep iterating and, and making it better and better. I love that. And, yeah. and a lot of times what I've noticed in the HR pro professionals, and we hear the top-down approach from DE&I, from culture, from, from everything, that it, it starts from the top-down. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times, because we had the luxury of limited competition, both geographically, but also just um, from, from an opportunity perspective, that people really weren't changing jobs, so it didn't award people the opportunity to progress their career in that hierarchical structure that we, we, we are accustomed to. And we're starting to see changes now, right? And HR is is 79% of CEOs want to see their HR departments completely reinvented or, or, or and changed in entirety, but only 29% of CHROs believe that they need to reinvent themselves. So there seems to be a massive disconnect, right, between the CEO and HR. You, um, we talk about onboarding, we talk about kind of the DEI initiatives. We know that we can sit there all day and talk about what this means. But in most cases, most HR professionals have learned to maybe be a little bit more silent because these ideas in the past were not awarded or celebrated as a good idea. Yeah. How do you, Caroline, like develop those key stakeholder relationships so when you do learn something from an employee survey that requires action because you can predict maybe uh, a challenge down the road, how do you develop those relationships so you can get these changes done that are required today? Mm -hmm. Well, we have a very close working relationship, all of us at senior leadership team. And so one, so one of the philosophies I, I mean, I always believe if you're going to ask, 
you're going to do a survey and you're going to ask the question, then you better be prepared to share the results and tell them what you're going to do. Thank you. So <laughs> that is anytime um, we've asked, we very transparent, we summarize it. We give them even feedback on the themes of the, like when it comes to comments, what are the themes, but we also share it with our senior leadership team. So there's that onboarding in that regard. So helping them understand this is what's being said. Here's our action plan. And this is what we're going to collectively do. And so it's a we game. It's not like this belongs in HR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're asking another survey and maybe, maybe not. We know what's going on. No, we're very transparent and we hold ourselves accountable too. So mm-hmm. any survey that we've done, um, it's very clear what the action steps are. We don't overwhelm it, but what are the three, four things that we can do that we're committing to and what's the timeline? And then we report back in all hands what we've done. So there's a high, high level of accountability. But one of the things that I remember interviewing with our CEO and founder and um, we were talking about like, I really wanted to understand his thinking around and back then we call it HR, HR, not phone culture. But, and I said, look, my, my position on this is we all wear this hat. Oh. I may champion the hat, but we're all wearing this hat and we're in it together. We're truly gonna build a remarkable company and we want a strong people and culture strategy. That is all of our collective responsibility. And so otherwise it's not going to work in my mind. It can't sit off to the side. Mm -hmm. Um, It has to be fully entrenched. And so the onboarding to the logic. So when I think about what I'm introducing, like right now, we're right in the middle of 2022 planning. So as an example, I really see the connection. What's the company objectives? What are we, what are we striving for? And then what's my team's connection to that? How are we truly supporting us in achieving that objective and ensuring a remarkable particle experience in the process? And so those, all those things need to be connected. So then when we're proposing something, it's very logical because it's in service of mm-hmm. not kind of some mm-hmm. fad we're chasing because there's a new trend in our, you know, in our industry or our profession that yeah. warrants, we got to pivot this way. We don't buy into the trends. We don't buy into really what other companies are doing because we are uniquely different. It's what is right for us. And I think that is what helps um, quite easily work I get done like I mean it's not a hard sell well I love I love the accountability piece because I think sometimes uh, if we don't have traditional numbers like the generally accepted accounting practices there's there's nothing to hold us accountable and and then the conversation was well who owns turnover right and HR professionals say hey I I don't own turnover that is collectively a culture and 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 sometimes it's 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 almost like a finger pointing game so to hear how you work collectively with those key stakeholders and align with the business goals and strategy and see how you can connect and have an impact on each I love that point. So thank you for that. (laughs) You brought up a great point about strategy. So let's go there for a minute or two, Um, because one of the things that, you know, I'm fascinated with is the pandemic kind of took everybody's three-year plans and threw them out the wall, right? (laughs) Threw threw them out the door or into the garbage. Um, A lot of companies said, well, we had a five-year plan to get us to be able to be fully remote. And oh, by the way, we had three weeks to execute on that plan once the pandemic hit. So um, give me, give me your perspective, you know, your insights on how has strategic planning, and we can look at it from an HR standpoint, you know, workforce planning, how do you see that evolving? How do you see that changing now since we've all kind of experienced, you know, the pandemic effect on just overall, you know, strategic planning in, in general, where do you see that going? So I still think, well, there's still a need for it, right? So the environment, it just means that you need to look at it more frequently, right? So um, you can have an you know, we do our planning, we have a 2030 plan. So what we want to, to navigate, which okay. we 
we don't make public, but there was some an internal navigational point. And so then we look at, okay, so what this year, what's in service? And again, it's very much of a collective exercise. It's not done in silos where individual heads of, you know, will be working on it. It's, it's very much in service of, and so people, there's a people component to it as well. Yeah. So if you're, if we're planning out, um, what are, uh, we call them mission briefs, what are the innovative practices or things that we're going after in service of our, our um, strategic objectives, um, there is a people component to that. So consideration needs to be given is to the, the type quality, what, what we're looking for, and then where are the gaps. And so the, what you call workforce planning, that's layered in mm -hmm. and it's not excluded. And, and so what we've seen in the past where in our early days, as we're coming together as a senior team, it wasn't as fine tuned realized like, we're, we're in hyper growth. So, you know, I thought last year we were going to hire, what was it originally on the books? Um, 600 people. Oh <laughs> my gosh. To, it's going to be close to 1400. <laughs> so oh it's like, so we are in hyper. So there's that constant attention that has to be part of the, the conversation and it has to be connected. And that's that. where my team comes into play because we are, there are internal customers. So, we, and one of our guiding principles is customer obsession. Well, that works internally as well so how are we ensuring that we're going to support the different areas in delivering on what they're committing to in service of the company's overall objectives i love that and i love the strategic conversation like chris said is because what it, what i am finding is um hr professionals want to become more strategic but the the time right is is really their limiting factor so when we focus on the time and we do a two-week look back period as where their time was spent a majority of their time is still spent in the administrative tactical function, right? How, if we have been in this catacomb, let's say, of really an ad administrative firefighting, redheaded, ugly stepchild, and now we're all of a sudden have to start to, to flip our mindset to become more strategic, what are some of the things that HR professionals can start doing today to become more strategic in mindset? Because I also think it's a shift in mindset that HR professionals now, it's their time to be those leaders that we're talking about within the organization. But that takes courage to step up and say, when you're not living out the mission, vision, and value statements within meetings and protecting the, the, the culture that you've fought so hard to create. Mm -hmm. It's a lot in that. So Kevin, if I heard your question correctly, I think the important, if you're, if you're truly a partner in the business, not an administrative or firefighter. And so I, I'm not, that's not relatable to me. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm not connecting the dots on that part, but, but in my mind is, you know, you really have to understand the business that you're in and you really need to understand what are the problems the business is trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And there's always going to be a people component to that, you know, people process technology, there's some connection there. So understand the business, understand the problems that exist for the leaders in the business or the business in general, and then give time to think about how are you, how was your function or your team um, able to solve, help them solve for that problem. Mm -hmm. So really connecting the dots and not thinking, well, my job's over here and that's mm -hmm. their problem. No, it's mm -hmm. our problem. We're one company, one team. You need to be thinking of it as a collective problem to be solved. And so- understanding it is key and then being part of the solutioning and what's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. 
I'd love to ask you, Caroline, about performance because it's one of those things that I just I'm really fascinated from you know company to company to company, the traditional performance management process. Uh, now that we're in a hybrid environment, you know you you can't just walk across the hallway, so, you know, so to speak, and and check in. Give us a little bit of an understanding about you know how Article handles performance management. Is it more of a traditional set your goals at the beginning of the year, you know, or is it has that transitioned a little bit more to a, a results outcome versus versus kind of problem. both, I guess. So we we look at so one thing we recognized very quickly is the old way of manually doing it wasn't going to cut it anymore. And you, you have no record. What does it really mean? It's like it's just archaic. So we did introduce uh, tooling last year um, that helps connect the dots to all things. So there's um, the performance review, if you will, but then there's also um, pulls in from our HRS system uh, engagement survey data, and you can kind of slice the data pretty cool to, to understand kind of the overall sentiment and where the high performers are and, and where their opportunities are. So um, we it is all through tooling online. So there is no paperwork or anything like that. It's easy to connect and have conversations um, globally around the world. Um, we break our, our performance reviews down in six month chunks. So, you know, focused on understanding what are the company objectives and then what's my role. So what am I focusing on in the next six months? Um, and, but equal weighting to our values again. So 50% on you know, what is it they're going to do performance wise and, and what support they need, because that's an important component too. And then, you know, we break down our guiding principles and there's goals set against that too. So there's a, a valuation of kind of where they're at because we, you know, we have um, one, everyone performing in that way. Um, and so there's goals that are being set against it too. So 50-50 weighting. Um, and there's also feedback metric, um, feedback points where, any time throughout the year, if you and I say, Chris, are working together, you know, I want to comment on just what a great job you did. I can be popping that in because it does help the manager understand a more universal perspective of the individual. I mean, you and I may have a working relationship, but I see you a certain way, but you've been working on fantastic projects. Sure. You know, great to solicit that feedback. And we also have 360 mechanisms as well. Right. So we're trying to give them more holistic view. One of our values um, as well, our guiding principles is win together and win together is the spirit of that is, you know, being open and honest with our feedback in service of really supporting each other. That's and great. so wanting to um, not just wait for that review, but to, you know, look at opportunities to provide feedback throughout the year. Hey, Caroline, it sounds like Article is very good at making it a purpose-driven culture, right? It sounds like you're very, um, almost like these, uh, I, I go back to those old photos on the wall where it was like teamwork and everybody was rowing the boat, you know? Um, but I think, I think that's what I'm hearing from you is that you guys are constantly communicating to the employee population why they work for, for Article, right? Or what it means to work for Article. And I think that's probably why they... Are, are so passionate and why you've seen such rapid growth is that they're almost getting behind that and applying and doing everything within their power to ensure that the, the company succeeds as, as your win, and win as one mentality. Mm -hmm. We start to talk about the individualized nature of HR today, right? Focusing on those key life critical events in an employee's life, whether it's marriage, whether it's the birth of a new child. And, and now we're starting to talk about the individualized nature from a talent acquisition standpoint. 
The other thing that we're starting to hearing is how learning and development has changed. And, and I know that you've had a lot of experience on the learning and development side um, from your time at Best Buy and, and others. How have you seen that change? Because we all work and live and learn differently. So what are you doing differently at Article today that maybe you weren't five years ago to meet people where they are today to properly reskill and upskill them to the new needs of Article? Mm -hmm. So we're still pretty junior. I've been with the company two and a half years. Um, we're just now building out our leadership development program. But one thing I really like what I heard you say, Kevin, I think that's the core, is it isn't one size fits all. And so as we're developing this new leadership development program, it is starting with a self-assessment. So the individual understanding where they are mm. against what we hold valuable is, you know, the, the leadership capabilities and the article way capabilities and the role capabilities. So having a true understanding of where I am at personally, and then what do I need for my individual development plan? I think what's key here is putting the individual at the center of and owning that development plan. Where if you were to ask me earlier in my career, you know, I was putting together corporate universities and it was a one size fits all and everyone's coming in and they're all learning the same thing. And, you know, and they're, they're now you're good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> be, be, be amazing leader now because you went through, you know, it was. And you checked all the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, and, hey, I'm not going to knock it. It was good training, but still yeah. it was, it was still a one size fits all. And I think, not, I think what I know to be true now is that it is not that way. So there, there's, but there is an opportunity to understand when you do the self-assessments, what are the themes emerging among the group? Say you have a senior leadership team or a director level team or a management team. What are the themes emerging and how do they, how can we introduce learning, action learning in a way that helps them learn together now mm. as well? So there, mm. there's the individual, but then there's also the team-based learning opportunity in service of a real life problem within an organization or an opportunity to apply it immediately. And so that's as we're designing this new, you know, way of um, new learning, sorry, leadership development program, that's kind of the foundation of what we're concluding is going to be important and how we're building it out right now. So we're yeah. in the design phase right now. And well, I should say proposal phase because the spirit of what I said earlier, the importance of onboarding, mm -hmm. getting people aligned so that yeah. it's not a PNC or L&D initiative, but no, this is our commitment as a senior leadership team that we're committed to this. We're signing off on it and we ourselves are doing it too. So That's leading great. by example. I love that. That's excellent. So in the spirit of action learning, Caroline, mm -hmm. we're going to ask you the question that we usually ask, you know, most of our guests, um, and we'll, we'll call this kind of the final question of the conversation. Um, so for everyone who's listening or watching this, this podcast, who are HR professionals, you know, what's the most important thing they should be thinking about in terms of, you know, their own skill set, their own learning and development, and how they can continue to provide value as it relates to the future of work. So where does HR have the greatest opportunity to provide value? And what should individual HR practitioners and professionals be thinking about, you know, as they continue along their own learning journey? Mm -hmm. Oh, there's lots in there. <laughs> Brain's going all over going, ooh, good one. Um, okay, so as an individual, you need to ask yourself how well you know your business. How well do you know the company? How, do you, how well do you know your business? And how well do you understand the level of service you or your team's providing? Is it adding value? Are you adding value? If you didn't show up tomorrow, would anyone notice? Mm -hmm. 
right? I hate to be that, and I hate to be rude about that. That's not my intention here, but it is a bit of a wake-up call. Yeah. So are you adding value? How do you know? And if, if is there more that you could be doing in service of helping the organization? Um, people and culture is such a critical piece to the puzzle of how successful a company is being. So if you don't know that, find out, dig in and, and try to understand that. When it comes to your own learning, there's again, similar to how we use the leadership training example, there is no one size fits all, but the opportunity to really understand kind of where are your opportunities and don't be shying away from it. Hey, business is moving so fast. You're not expected to learn everything. And I think that's a misconception mm -hmm. that a lot of whether you're starting out or you're a leader and you think you have to have all the answers, you don't, but you have to be curious. And so one of the things I try to set aside every week is to, to listen to podcasts, to to read articles from different thought leaders and not just in my industry, but lots of different industries because the gold nuggets are everywhere and you never know where you're going to read something that's going to inspire a thought and it's going to take you down a path going, Hey, why didn't I look at our business this way? Mm -hmm. You know, so just being exposed to that, being curious, but understanding your business, I think is really critical. That was a phenomenal response to that loaded question from Chris, Caroline, and, and I loved your how to, uh, you have to be curious, right? And uh, I say that HR professionals have to get very comfortable with asking the question, why, right? And if we know that there are these fundamental pillars or how we got here as a business, why did we decide to do that 20 years ago? Um, and I think when we start to get curious and start asking questions that most will uncover that we always did it that way because, and, and the answer that you're getting is, it's my instinct, or I learned it from this, this other previous employer that I worked with uh, before. Um, but it's really being in tune with your employee population, the social economic climate that we're in right now that is really out of our control as a business. But how do we get back to empathy? How do we get back to kindness as leaders and understanding that, hey, we're all going through this evol evolution at the same time. We're all going to go through changes. We're going to get bumps and bruises. But let's head towards the challenges is what I heard you say, too, is like, let's not run away from our problems. Let's sit, figure out how we can have an impact and how we can enable our business to be successful. So thank you so much, Caroline, for gracing us with your presence on the show today. It was a fascinating conversation to just talk with somebody that has been successful in HR, has learned from learning and development, and now you're the VP of people and culture there at Article. So thank you so much for being a part of the HR Evolution conversation with Chris and I today. Thank you both. That was fun. <laughs> awesome. That's what we like to hear.